when we're losing 3,000 people a, a day, we need a rapid response. Um, but I think it's reassuring to know that Native physicians and African-American physicians and scientists are watching closely for any potential problems with this vaccine. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lam. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. So Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine is a show centered around amplifying Native voices, talking with great people, having them share their gifts and how they realize those gifts. Uh, we've already spoken to so many awesome people, but we're, we're just really getting started. And it's always an honor to hear how these awesome people use their gifts to contribute to their community. And that's right. In this conversation today, we're continuing with our special edition of Native Lights, Visiting Vaccines, where we're getting a pulse on Indian country in Minnesota and the response to COVID vaccines. Sounds like there's even more coming out possibly soon. We'll see. So we're talking to experts and citizens, uh, anything from concerns to excitement. So kind of just what's going on in folks' minds. Mm-hmm. Today, we have a great show. We sure do. We'll have two guests today who are working hard with our communities, who both have perspectives in the context of the medical field and history. We'll be speaking with Dr. Mary Owen, who is the president of the Association of American Indian Physicians. She's also the director of the Center of American Indian and Minority Health at the University of Minnesota Medical School on the Duluth campus. And she's working with other Native health experts to get the word out to the Native community that the COVID-19 vaccine is not only safe, but crucial for the Indigenous people who have been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. It's really awesome to see Native professionals, medical professionals uh, getting involved in like spearheading this stuff because, you know, to build that trust in Indigenous and Native communities, that's that's part of what it's going to take. Uh, I know we've talked about this complicated perspective around vaccines, and there's this legitimate historical and current distrust of the system, uh, systems like governmental and medical, to name a few. Yet vaccines have also helped save lives at home, both at home and around the world. And this complex relationship continues. So I wanted to talk about it more with folks who work with trauma and healing, like Brianna Michaels, whose words I'll be sharing today. And it'll be fantastic to hear from both Brianna and Dr. Mary Owen, the significance of Native doctors working to keep our communities healthy is a great step, like we know, uh, towards building the trust in the medical field. So up first is Brianna Michaels. She's a fellow Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe band member. Whoop. <laughs> I met her through a project called Remembering Resilience, which is a great podcast that explores Native American resilience through and beyond trauma. And in our conversation, we talked about the significance of historical trauma, especially during this past year and now with the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines. Here's Brianna Michaels. Hello, my name is uh, Brianna Michaels. I am an enrolled member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe Tribe. I'm located, well now I'm down in the cities here in Fridley, um, but my main location for many years has always been in the Pine County area. 
Brianna Michaels works for the American Indian Resource and Resiliency Team out of the University of Minnesota Extension, holding workshops on trauma and healing. A lot of what our work consists of is connecting the dots between historical trauma, intergenerational trauma, and healing. Passing down experience, whether it's trauma or resiliency, is something that's been widely known in many cultures, yet it can be tough to really understand. Historical trauma, I believe, is something that maybe not everybody fully can can grasp. Um, I've often heard people talk about, well, that happened way back when. That doesn't that doesn't affect me, you know. And and that's not necessarily the case. There's this notion of um, blood memory and epigenetics, right? And and blood memory was something that our our communities, our indigenous communities, have known for thousands of years, right? And and now, just now, science is is catching up to us. So, memory is carried through generations. So what has happened to past generations certainly impacts us today, whether we know it or not. And it gets passed through our DNA. It gets passed through our blood. Brianna and I discuss the many ways in which communities have been triggered in this past year, with the injustice of how Black, Indigenous, and people of color are dying through health disparities and at the hands of police, with the pandemic and the death of George Floyd, among others. You've got four to 500 wounds kind of coming to the surface. You see it in the riots. You see with some of the protests that were happening and and all this stuff is coming to the surface, right? So we were all being triggered by something. Brianna talks about how she's been safe at home and pretty healthy. Even so, she finds herself overwhelmed and taking on heavy emotions. So Brianna has to stop and take a moment to ask herself. Brianna, is this... Is this your stuff or is this stuff that's coming up from, say, past generations? Maybe something that has happened with my ancestors um, is, is, is something triggering that DNA to basically turn on. Is this why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling? We're talking about injustices. We're talking about, you know, slavery in the African-American community which in turn, of course, you think about all the genocide that happened within American Indian communities, right? So all this stuff is coming up to the surface. Everything's bubbling up. And then you got the pandemic. But you kind of see like the panic right now. And, you know, people going out and buying toilet paper and, you know, stacking up on things and and to sit back and say, okay, there's a lot of um, panic here. Is this my stuff or is this stuff from back in the day? We look at what's happened when the pandemic started and wondering why people were reacting in mass in a certain way. Why was there such a knee-jerk panic? Did this have something to do in part with blood memory? And here we are now in a pandemic where sickness is a trigger and the government response to the pandemic is as well with the federal government's history of discriminatory practices. The broken promises with treaties overall, I mean, that's... One example, the the masterialization of women, you know, that's that's another thing. And I feel like there have been so many situations where tribal communities, you know, have been wronged by the federal government. So when they say, you know, hey, here's this vaccine that's going to help you, again, it's that trigger that's coming up for people. Why should I trust you? 
You know, why should I, why should I trust the federal government? Why should I, why should I trust the the Trump administration? Why should I trust, you know, even Indian health service, you know, like why, why should I trust, you know, these institutions that have been the demise, or at least one of the, a big, huge foundation for the demise and the genocide of our tribal communities. Through all this complexity, Brianna does think vaccines are a helpful tool towards health. Yeah, so I'm a believer of vaccines. I do believe that vaccines have helped our communities, our our Indigenous communities survive. How do we get to healing through this complex back and forth? We don't land on a straightforward answer, though being open to the possibility of healing comes first. I know from my experience that healing overall needs to happen individually, which means that I need to learn. I need to understand. I need to be open in order to trust. I mean, that's that's going to need to take some openness, you know, in order to, to trust this vaccine and to, and to trust these health institutions. And remember, the other part of Brianna's work is connecting the dots of historical trauma to healing. We know we need to heal, but how do we get there? So we know that culture is prevention. We know that if we were to go out into the woods, that that's where we get healing. But for a lot of our generations, even our elders nowadays, like, you know, our ceremonies were illegal. It was banned. Speaking our language used to be a punishable offense. And as Brianna said, ceremonies were illegal. Those same things that help us heal. So how is healing possible when practicing our culture is wrapped in trauma? Back to vaccines. They're helpful and can be a great tool in moving towards healthy communities, though they're made complicated by the surrounding trauma, both current and historical. And having openness to learning more can help us untangle those feelings. Learning about your culture, figuring out what your values are, what's important to you, you know, those are some really good places to start. One of the things that I know that I can do is I can learn everything about the vaccine that I can learn. I can talk with my leadership, whether that's health and human services within my tribal community, to understand what are the implications of this vaccine, what are the pros, what are the cons, and really weigh out those risk factors um, and really making that conscious decision and, and having that decision also come from like your intuition. Like, what is your intuition telling you? What is spirit telling you? That's always a good way to go to tapping into that source. Absolutely. I love mm. Brianna's words on listening to your intuition. And I think that's really, yeah. really kind of a key takeaway too. Yeah, I, I was I was really struck by a couple of points. You know, first that, you know, traditional cultures, uh, you know, like the Ojibwe, um, have always known about, you know, this blood memory uh, that, you know, now science is catching up with that, with the study of, with the study of epigenetics. Um, I know dad, <laughs> uh, he always likes to say that for a lot of stuff, you know, did you find out that science, you know, found this thing out? And his his response is always, you know, oh, the natives have known about that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I laugh, but, you know, in many cases, like, you know, like this, it's it, it it's very true. Um, 
And also the, you know, the second part on how, you know, indigenous tools and ways of healing, you know, our language uh, and sacred ceremonies were prohibited. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I found your question on how healing can be possible when practices, you know, are now wrapped in trauma. I mean, that's a big question. And, but I hope, you know, the healing, you know, is happening. And Dr. Mary Owen actually mentions it in the upcoming segment that, you know, the native community is growing stronger and stronger, especially it seems like in the last decade or so. So part of that is that healing part, I would, I would think. So very mm-hmm. profound stuff. I like yes, that. Thank you. For sure. So Chimigwech, Brianna Michaels. Again, Brianna is from the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe whoop, and works at the University of Minnesota Extension in the American Indian Resource and Resiliency Team. You're listening to a special edition of Native Lights, Visiting Vaccines. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we heard from Brianna Michaels, who works for the American Indian Resource and Resiliency Team at the U of M Extension. And now we're about to hear from Dr. Mary Owen, who's spreading the word that acceptance of the COVID-19 vaccine is important for the Native community. My name is Dr. Mary Owen, and I am from the Shark Clan of the Tlingit Nation. And I'm an assistant professor at the University of Minnesota Medical School and the current president of the Association of American Indian Physicians. As a note, the Tlingit are indigenous people of the Pacific Northwest coast of North America. Dr. Owen is from Alaska. She left in 2014 to become the director of the Center of American Indian and Minority Health at the University of Minnesota Medical School on the Duluth campus. So when I first scheduled a video interview with Dr. Mary Owen, little did I know I'd be interviewing her right after she got her first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Hmm. Sorry, I'm late. I just got uh, had to zoom out to the clinic to get my vaccine. No, that's that's totally fine. That's yeah. totally fine. That's a great. That's a great. Like, uh, I don't know, introduction to the, the interview. <laughs> exactly. And after introductions, I of course first wanted to know how the vaccination went for. Her. You know, it was really surprising. I felt it less than I do the flu. I hardly noticed it actually, and I'm not just saying that. Mm-hmm. It was uh, really painless. Um, I had to wait for 15 minutes to make sure nothing happened. And um, during that time, it was fun because I um, heard the heard a voice of a friend asking questions and um, went out there. And it was uh, one of our tribal elders, Mr. Defoe, who was out there getting his at the same time. And so that was kind of fun. Snapped a couple uh, pictures of the two of us so we could put them on, on uh, you know, social media, let people know what's going on. And- <laughs> Gotta uh, hit up the social medias, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> You see that a lot, yeah. This, uh, um, the social media posts, and but I, I like her story of the you know collective joy with the other person that she she uh, saw out there. Yeah, for sure. It's like a little community around getting vaccinations. Exactly, exactly. So as we've mentioned earlier, Dr. Owen is working on getting the message out to the Native community on why taking the COVID nineteen vaccine is so important. She's uh, leveraging her position at the Association of American Indian Physicians to do just that, and here's why she's doing it. But as the president, I recognize that there is going to be huge need in our communities because of the potential for vaccine hesitancy. You know, um, just like in African-American communities, our communities have had have naturally so much distrust of government and health institutions because of the bad, um, not so positive things that have happened. I think at what people feel like are the hands of those institutions. So knowing that, I was speaking with a colleague of 
mine at the medical school. Her name is, um, I think it was actually someone else who recommended it. And I said, yeah, let's do that. But her name was Dr. Jill Foster and she's a pediatric infectious disease doctor. So she agreed to do a town hall. And she also has a specialty in uh, vaccines. So she did a town hall with all of our docs, not all of our docs, all the docs who signed up for it to try to get some interest in having them get all their questions answered so they can start developing videos to be sending out on social media en masse. Essentially, Dr. Owen and the Association of American Indian Physicians put together a task force with the purpose of getting the message out, whether it be through the airwaves or through social media. So we've had a couple meetings of the task force now. Um, My latest um, effort is to get a regional representation. So one rep, at least from each of the 12 different regions, maybe maybe not even 12, but the major regions within um, Indian country. So that someone can make sure that we are hitting the um, tri- the tribal radio stations, the papers, uh, all the social media sites, the tribes themselves and their social media sites, you know, just really massively spreading this message. Part of the task force message was a series of those videos she was describing earlier, explaining the importance of the vaccine. The videos themselves are really short. Mine was a little bit longer, a minute and 30 um, seconds to kick it off with just why we're doing them. And the the why is that, we are dying at far higher rates than any other population when you look at the age adjustments, including African-Americans either. And it's not a competition at all, just an emphasis on why we need this. And it's not the first time it's happened. We had the same thing happen with H1N1, where we died at four times the rate of um, non-natives. But COVID's different. It's killing even more of us. And therefore, we need a drastic response to it. And we need people to buy into these vaccines. She says that while the data is still coming in, it appears that the federal government has indeed recognized the impact the virus has had on the native population, and vaccines are getting out to elders and healthcare workers in those communities. However, she says there's still a lot of work to do to get the overall native population to buy into the vaccine, especially those on the younger side. What I worry about, though, is the next wave, you know, young people who tend to feel, I remember that myself, feeling invincible, like this doesn't really affect me. And even though I know young people are as invested in our elders and our communities as any of us, I think sometimes it's easier to forget. And it's a two-step vaccine. That's the other piece. You don't get the, um, the heavier coverage until you get that second shot. So that also gets in the way of the protections. You know, when we have, we have already have people who struggle sometimes to get into clinic to get the first shot, but then to have to get that second one. And I know what we've heard from a lot of people, and including those in the Native uh, community, is hesitancy due to how quickly this vaccine came out. Like, is that something maybe you were concerned about a little bit, Leah? Well, it's understandable. You know, science seems like, you know, it takes a long time to, you know, um, come up with new things like like other vaccines take Mm -hmm years to develop. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were hearing at the beginning of the pandemic, like don't expect a vaccine for years or, you know, Mm -hmm. 18 months at least or something like that. But to have something come out under a year is just surprising Mm -hmm. and kind of like, why? Mm -hmm. (laughs) How is this possible? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I mean, apparently there's been, you know, research on the SARS virus. So we've had some knowledge about this sort Mm -hmm. of deal. So, I mean, at least they had some some prior things to look back at. But uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Owen had thoughts on this. It came out really fast because it had to. (laughs) Because when we're losing 3,000 people a a day, we need a rapid response. 
Um, but I think it's reassuring to know that Native physicians and African-American physicians and scientists are watching closely for any potential problems with this vaccine. It's not like we're just sitting back and saying, bring it on. We have um, had people uh, monitoring really closely, particularly our African-American um, brothers and sisters, because they have more of the person power to be able to do that. They're, they're more highly represented because their population is so much greater than ours. You're listening to a special edition of Native Lights, Visiting Vaccines. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we heard from Brianna Michaels, who works for the American Indian Resource and Resiliency Team at the U of M Extension. And now we're hearing from Dr. Mary Owen, who's spreading the word that acceptance of the COVID-19 vaccine is important for the Native community. As Dr. Anthony Stately shared in the previous vaccine episode, and as both Brianna Michaels and Dr. Owen mentioned in their earlier words, medical distrust in the Native community is a real thing. They've all been able to witness it. A lot of it is still fresh on people's minds. So these feelings are obviously going to come up during this COVID-19 vaccination phase. Yeah. You see it on social media. You read about it in news articles. Uh, and then there's always this question, what to do? You know, do you get the vaccine or do you not? So here's Dr. Mary Owen on that medical distrust, how she addresses it as a physician, and some common myths she encounters with the COVID-19 vaccine. For me, as a physician, I uh, treat it just like when I'm in with a patient. I just try to be honest. Look, I know this trust is there, distrust is there. I know it's why it's there. I've had some of the same distrust myself at times with um, health systems. But this is a disease that is killing us at numbers that we cannot continue to withstand. It's killing folks who help us get better and stronger. It's killing our elders who carry our traditions and our, our language. And we know that we are getting stronger recent, more recently, just in the last, you know, 10 whatever years, because our traditions are, um, we're getting empowered again because with our traditions and with our language. Those people hold those things. We can't lose any more of them. So that's, the, you know, just honesty. I get it. I understand it. Um, and then also addressing um, the things that are not true, the myths out there like the fact that we are being guinea pig, that is not true. We're getting these vaccines because we are being so impacted. The myth about uh, that you can get COVID from the vaccine, that's not true. It's, a, um, it's not a live virus, you know. Um, I've heard other myths as well, something about sterility, um, and that's not true. There, you know, there's always some little tiny nugget that this came from, nugget of truth, like uh, there's some common protein that has something to do with a placental protein. I don't, I don't even remember what it was, but it, that's it. It's just this little tiny grain of connection, but there's no truth behind it. There is not sterility caused by these vaccines. I hesitate to even talk too much about these myths because um, the Harvard uh, School of Public Health, um, I can't remember how many years ago, put out a study or a recommendation at the very least, if it wasn't a study that um, suggested that by repeating the myths um, or the uh, falsehoods, you can um, cement them in people's minds or some people can pick them up and think that they are true. So I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, we have some people at AAIP at the association, um, some of the physicians feel like, no, we just got to address them. I don't know what the right answer is personally. Yeah, I mean, to, to go back uh, a little bit, uh, she was talking about, you know, addressing mistrust. Um, I love, I love you know, 
just being honest with the patient, you know, acknowledging that distrust and just seeing how we can get, how they can both get past it together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with the myths, I mean, she did bring up a good point. Like, do we acknowledge them? Do we, do we just ignore them kind of thing? I don't know. I do have an opinion. I am not a medical professional, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I like to observe, right, <clears throat> and listen. And she mentioned three things in particular, three myths. Those three topics have been true in the past uh, when Native communities have been interacting with public health or with colonizers and settlers getting a live virus. That happens, being used as guinea pigs. And and I think it's important to point that out. Like, they're, it's not yeah. groundless. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Why these questions are happening, for sure. Yeah, so it makes sense, but also they are myths when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, so I think addressing people's concerns, mm-hmm. uh, especially when there's a history there, are are pretty significant. I'm glad you you mentioned that. Um, and more unlike the medical distrust, as what I like to do with most people I interview, and especially for Native Lights, uh, I was curious how she found her calling to help her people. And it turns out that medical distrust was actually a factor in that decision due to representation. Uh, probably. It wasn't that I had a gift. It was probably more just out of irritation. <laughs> You know, I was in my own um, tribal health uh, hospital um, waiting to get care and um, looking around me and saw that we were not represented in the in the um, healthcare providers and just thought, this is my clinic. This is my hospital. Um, it belongs to all of us sitting here in the lobby. Why are we not represented? That's when I first realized something's got to change <laughs> and I need to be part of that. Mm-hmm. And sitting in that lobby, realizing that we weren't represented, you know, we deserve more. Yeah. You know, my mom deserves more. I deserve more. My community deserves more. Right on. I love that. The uh, the irritation gift. <laughs> you know, it's real. Um, you see a need. And, you know, if you see a need for yourself, Others definitely have that need too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> being irritated can lead to being productive. So yeah. sometimes it just takes getting annoyed first. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm curious how many amazing things have happened out of irritation in the world. <laughs> Anyways, but Dr. Mary Owen says uh, wearing a mask is still important after getting the vaccine. While the vaccines have been proven to be about 95% effective in preventing serious illness from COVID-19, it's unclear how well they curb the spread of COVID-19. So for now, health experts are still recommending wear a mask after vaccination until more is known and more people are vaccinated. And for more information and to check out those videos Dr. Owen was discussing earlier, you can check out the Association of American Indian Physicians Facebook page or their website at aaip.org. That's aaip.org. And chimi guage to Dr. Mary Owen for sharing her perspective on this extremely important topic. In a future special edition of Visiting Vaccines, We'll be featuring Kelly Miller, who is the director of the Department of Indian Work, which is a part of Interfaith Action in St. Paul. She's one of the Minnesota Department of Health's new community coordinators. 
That role involved setting up a COVID hotline for the diverse communities of Minnesota. She set one up for the Native community in the Ramsey and Hennepin County area. It has information on getting tested for COVID-19, housing resources, and uh, while vaccine distribution is still limited at the moment, there will be vaccine information on there too. There's just a lot of information, you know, if you're struggling through the pandemic and you just need somebody to talk to and more resources. So we have the COVID hotline information on the Minnesota Native News website, mnnativenews.org. And I can't wait to hear from Kelly Miller soon. Another chimigwech to Brianna Michaels and Dr. Mary Owen for joining us in today's show. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabamin. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.